What's going on, everybody? Phil is Rob Morris. Listen to the Rims and S podcast. Uh, this is the Quick Thoughts edition, so it's usually going to be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes of just some quick hitters, quick thoughts, what's going on, because the NBA offseason is pretty much in full effect or pretty much winding down as far as like the free agency goes like a lot of the a lot of the free agents are pretty much have signed on to teams um to conclude the episode we'll probably give you um off-season winners and off-season losers so far um definitely the Celtics will probably be in the discussion with that we'll pretty much you know mention all their additions able to get Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari um, those are huge gets for them, and then it probably places them somewhere in the winning category. As probably they have one of the more impactful trades in the off season. So we'll definitely dig deep into that, as well as the summer league, which is I'm recording this on Saturday, July 9th. This is the start of the summer league. Well, the summer league started on Thursday, but this is the start of the summer league for the Celtics. This will be their first game, which which will be uh, not too long from right now. I was recording this on 3 o'clock. I think their f- first game is at 4.30. Excuse me, 5.30. So the first game is at 5.30. So you get, the, get our first look at J.D. Davidson, their second-round draft pick, as well as a few um, free agents they were able to get. Um, undrafted free agents. Uh, Travion wins from Purdue. Get to take a look at him. Um, I checked out a few interviews um, really talking about Williams as a guy that could be a wild card guy that could get that third big That's that Daniel Tice um, left from the trade where Daniel Tice is right now in Indiana. Uh, he's involved in the Malcolm Brogdon trade, so there's still an open slot. There's like three open slots right now, so th- there's a couple on your end of the bench guys that were let go in that trade that opened up a lot of roster spots. Like I think there's about three because you, I think there's a strong ten that you can rely on, and then there's like probably about another five spots that are open. So. We have to see who's going to fill those spots. So definitely the summer league could definitely be a good way to kind of assess young town around the league. And even if you might see guys um, even on the outside of the, like, of the Celtics summer league team that, you know, the Celtics could sign as, you know, as a potential tramp training camp invite. Because as of right now... I think they've only had those 10 guys that are signed. And like I said, all these other guys haven't been signed yet. J.D. Davidson hasn't even signed a contract yet. So he still has a lot to prove as a second-round pick to see if he's willing to be able to get a contract. Um, they, far as I know, as far as like anyone in the assembly, they signed Sam Hauser. So that makes 11 guys. Sam Hauser signed a deal. And I think Luke Cornett has signed a deal. So that's 12 guys signed so far and there's probably three more spots to go so 
I just thought of that just now. I know that I was mentioned that it was five, but I mentioned that Luke Carnett just got signed and as well as Sam Hauser. So it's pretty much three roster spots to be given out. So we'll have to see who who will get those spots. So I guess it so we'll definitely dig deep into that. And Aaron Baines rumors. Aaron Baines is expected to have a workout um, in Las Vegas, which it seems like the summer league is, tends to be a thing where if the, if the Olympics are that year, then usually the United, uh, the Olympic team usually works out in Las Vegas right after the summer league ends. So it's it's been really been a good spot to kind of where GMs and, you know, team personnel uh, team personnel guys tend to tend to meet up. It's like kind of like you know in other sports. I think the in baseball they have like a winter meetings or whatever. It's kind of like that. It's gonna, some of these become that where a lot of GMs and personnel uh, personnel roles of of these teams meet up to you know look at all a lot of these young players and even the even you know a lot of the NBA players you know meet up as well to watch their teammates or potential teammates and it's like kind of like an event it's definitely become an event ESPN has done, has done a, a really good job of covering it now as you you know before you could probably you know see one you know you could see maybe a few of the some of the games but not all of them were, were uh, were televised, but now all of them are, are televised. Um, they pretty much have it with all different channels: ESPN, ESPNU, NBA TV. So it's kind of like they've kind of ramped it up, like they did the NCAA tournament, where like different channels are, are pretty much um, recording or televising all the games. So you see. Um, the, the times are pretty much, you know, later on in the day because it's West Coast, you know, uh, all the games are out on the West Coast. So usually they start the games around four o'clock as like the first game in the West Coast would be at one. So and they kind of jam up in one day, they jam like six or seven games in one day. So that's why they've had to have ESPNU and, and uh, NBA TV. And I think they have uh, ESPN Plus or whatever, which is the online streaming service for ESPN to record all the games. So, just because there's so many... Uh, so, I'm watching, like, the replays right now for any any of you guys are hearing anything on the background. I'm watching Charlotte Hornets against Indiana Pacers. Get to see Ben Matherin get his debut with the Pacers. As they were pretty much the paces are pretty much rebuilding, which we're just going to segue into the Brock, um, Malcolm Brogdon trade. What a move by Brad Stevens to not give up barely anything for that move. Pretty much the best player on the Celtic side of that move was Daniel Tice, and Daniel Tice was in and out of the rotation. A lot of the you know, I would say regular season wise, he played a, a lot in the regular season, but he was in and out of rotation in the playoffs. So they pretty much gave up pretty much end of the bench pieces that really didn't make an impact at all in the playoffs. 
and Daniel Tice for Malcolm Brogdon. So, I mean, that is a great deal. I think they gave up a first-round pick as well. So, really not much, really much of a salary dump for Indiana. I think Indiana is just trying to rebuild. They're trying to get rid of salary. So, that was the move that they felt was best for their team at the moment as they're just not in a position to um, to really do much right now as far as, like, you know, being a playoff team. So they might as well just kind of get rid of pieces and, and be sellers. So I think another, you know, piece besides Broadden that might be out on the market is Miles Turner. So we we'll have to see if he's going to move sometime in the summer. But obviously the big news besides that, yeah, yeah, brought, Malcolm Broadden was a big thing, but Kevin Durant, Celtics could be in on Kevin Durant. I... You know, my opinion on it, I think the Celtics need to, like, just keep what they have together. They have a, a core that's already was able to get to the NBA Finals. Why tinker with that? Why just go after a big fish like Kevin Durant? I know that's probably the reason why you do it, but I just think they already have they already have a great core as is. And they added to that, adding Brogdon and adding Danilo Gallinari. Why mess with that? Why, why, why destroy what you already have built? Where you could have pretty much a longevity of of being in the top four or whatever, or being a top tier contender in the East year in and year out. But you know you're hearing rumors about potentially that Jalen Brown is. Not a safe bet to be re-signed, but I just look. I'm looking at the numbers, man. And we all know money talks. If the Celtics can roll in there, uh, he's going to be a free agent in two years from now, into 2020 after the 2023-2024 season. So the Celtics can snoop in and absolutely show that they want to keep him with the money because you're looking at the money right now you got Damian Lillard to just sign he signed it for 60 million a, a year he has a two-year extension for 120 million that's the type of money that's going around right now probably because I believe the salary cap's going up because of these uh these new you know tv deals that the NBA is going to be involved in so the salary cap is going up and you're seeing the effect of that as I mean, Jokic's got his record-setting deal. You got uh, Devin Booker getting his record-setting deal. Uh, Morant getting a high deal. Zion Williamson getting a very high deal. So I think the South has got to move in next year in order to kill these rumors and sign Jalen Brown for a $40, 50000000 million a year deal because I think that's what it's going to take for him to, to want to, to stay. You have to completely wow him with the money. And you have to completely show your loyalty towards him. And they're going to have to do the same thing with Tatum when he, when he comes up in the upcoming, you know, two to year, three years down the road. They can't mess with this. they got to make sure this core is together. And they got to make sure. I think the one guy I would maybe, like, get rid of out of out of that top four core is maybe Marcus Smart. I think that's the one guy I would say let go. But as of right now, I don't want to do that right now. I think... I want to see if we can win a championship with this core. 
and continue to like build on what we already have and continue to build depth. And I think they've done a great job doing that this offseason, along with the draft pick in Davidson, along with getting these offseason, uh, these undrafted free agents that potentially could fill up the end of the bench, along with getting Gallinari, along with getting Brogdon. And if Brogdon can accept this role, which that's my next point, will Brogdon accept this role? Um, he obviously got the injury concerns, why he was so expendable for Indiana, uh, the injury concerns, and just, you know, you know, will he be a guy that's willing to accept his role, which is going to be a six-man role here. Marcus Smart is not going to, um, will not be willing to go back to the bench. So Brogdon will have to, you know, be happy with getting a, maybe a 30-minute role, Playing, you know, he's pretty much playing with Marcus Smart, Mark, the Mark Smart role, you know. Both, you know, when we had Kimball Walker, and we had all these other guys, you know, Kyrie Urban, you know, was in that role as a starter. I mean, basically, Marcus Smart, you know, is now the starter. Now, now, Brogdon is pretty much brought in to be that thirty-minute per game guy off the bench. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to play a lot, but he's just going to be coming off the bench. So will he be willing to do that? And if he is, I think the Celtics are going to be in good shape. And then far as like what Gallinari brings is, and then I, me- I mentioned with the injury concerns of Brogdon before we go into Gallinari. Um, I think that will be the best thing for the Celtics to put him in that bench role, to keep the injuries down, to keep him healthy. Keep him ready to go for the playoffs. I think that's going to be huge. And I just think, yeah, lean on him for 30 minutes or so. And then far as for Gallinari, what he brings to the Celtics, he's a guy that defensively, um, yeah, he's going to he's gonna struggle on that end of the floor. But what I think the Celtics might do with him, I think they're going to might make him more of a, a small ball center, which I think would be a great idea to have him this is why they're not in a huge rush to get a big man right now because they probably see Gallinari as a, you know, because he's slow footed on on the on the defensive end of the floor. They probably look at him more as a small ball center. So you got to look at him and you have Grant. You could throw Grant at the four along with him, and really not lose much. Gallinari not not a great rebounder, but he's a solid rebounder. And you got Grant Williams. I guess he's. Definitely improving on that end of the floor as far as like rebounding goes. We all know he's a great defender, can play can plug him in at all positions at you know, he's a versatile defender, so I think I mentioned Gallinari in the last podcast and they end up getting him as like the you know, how Gallinari can play so many positions and I really think him playing at the five will be key for them. If he can play at the five in some lineups, I'm not saying do it all the time, but in some lineups, and you have the advantages where you could you could put him at that spot, so that way he doesn't get exposed on the defensive end. But on the other end of the floor, on the offensive end, he brings so much, so much versatility. He can post up, he can shoot threes. He was a high percentage shooter last year. For had a very efficient season last year for the Hawks. He gives you that offensive firepower on that end of the floor. And then, like I said, with the lineups, um, just having him play with Grant, maybe Tatum at the three, 
Jalen Brown at the three. I mean, they can do a lot of different things with the lineups with Gallinari. And they still can be, they're not really that small. Same thing, you throw Rob Williams out there, and then maybe have Gallinari at the four. Where, you know, Gallinari doesn't have to do that much, but Rob Williams re- releases a lot of those mistakes that maybe he could have on his specific matchups that he has on defense. So, and then when you yeah, have Brogdon, as far as like how he impacts both ends of the floor, um, he's another ball distributor, another guy that can handle the ball. I'm not really like a fan of his athleticism, but he's a good ball handler. He's a good decision maker. I think he's, you know, I remember time and time again when the Celtics played him against the Bucks, he'd always make, you know, impact shots, make impact plays, and always find a way to to make the right play, which I think the Celtics team really struggled at, you know, in the playoffs to really make the right decision, make the right play. I think Brogdon can be somewhat of a calming, um, high IQ type of player that can really bolster this team where they where they lack. They lack the decision making. I think Brogdon is very good at making better decisions. And probably his turnovers is not super, super high, but they're not super, super lo- low either. So I still, as a team, overall as a team, they're going to have to improve that. And hopefully they can just do that through committee and just, you know, Tatum and Jalen Brown can get in the gym and work on their decision-making, really. I really don't, I mean, ball handling, it is what it's going to be, but just work on their decision-making. And if they can clean up the ball handling, that would be a plus. But I just think this decision-making is what really hurt them the most. And if they can improve on that, improve on their awareness, improve on their decision-making, then... Um, I think the Celtics be right where they were last year, right in the NBA Finals. I really think talent-wise, depending on where Kevin Durant's going, which he's still on the block, we have to just see if the Nets going to keep him or not. That's going to Celtics look like the top contender in the East coming in, because the Bucks, as we look at the you know offseason winners and losers, we'll mention the Bucks as well as I have them as as a loser, but um. Yeah, a lot of the teams in the East really didn't improve that much. Miami Heat didn't improve that much as well. So the Celtics look like the team that improved the most, and they have the team that was able to get to the finals. So they're in the driver's seat to definitely be a a big-time you know, contender to win the East, if not get back to the NBA Finals. All right, so my last point. Before I can get on a few of the offseason winners and losers, Aaron Baines rumors. Obviously, that big man, um, the big man's still available, the third big man. And I think Aaron Baines is a guy that was out of the scene for a little bit. He had an injury. He had a spinal cord injury that he had. I believe he was went to the locker room for some reason. And he ended up falling um, falling in the bathroom. Out of all things, he slipped and fell, I believe, and he fell in the bathroom in, in, in the locker room, near the locker room or whatever, and he ended up suffering a spinal cord injury from that. It was literally like, literally in the offseason, literally playing for his uh, home country, 
in Australia playing against Italy. So out of all things, I mean, just I don't know if it was a scrimmage or or friendly. I think it might have been a friendly because I yeah yeah it was I think it was the Olympics. So it was it was the Olympics? And confirm that. And yeah, so. We haven't seen Aaron Bain since. I was wondering that too, and I actually like looked him up one day, and then I found that out that he ended up getting hurt. So he's been out of the scene or the basketball scene for at least a good year, good year, year and a half now. So because he has that workout in Las Vegas, and the Celtics brass is going to be there. Brad Stevens and company will be there, which they'll be there anyways to kind of look at the summer league team anyways. So it's just convenient that. You know, all the GMs are going to be there to look at Aaron Baines' workout. So we have to see if the Celtics are willing to to get him or if Baines is willing to come back here. But it would be a nice addition to add. I, I would honestly wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it as a guy that maybe, you, you, know, you know, he'll be in and out of the rotation. I just think we have the 10 guys that we have now, I think I, you're going to probably stick with those 10 guys that you have right now currently in your rotation. And then you have Baines here and there as the 11th guy, as a guy that can, in certain matches, win against Joel Embiid and company. He could be huge in a series against Joel Embiid. He could be huge against any other big man, uh, Jokic, any other big guys you have to worry about. Uh, maybe you you face off a Western Conference team and Carl Anthony Towns is, is a guy you, you might need a bigger body. So I think Aaron Baines could definitely fit the role in those type of matchups. But, I mean, there's also other options. You know, Dwight Howard, you can go with him. Maybe uh, Hassan Whiteside. I don't think I think Hassan Whiteside's still available. So, I mean, we'll see who they would fill that, you know, that big man role. I don't think Luke Carnett is ideal. But, you know, you, Luke Carnett's not bad either. I mean, long, I mean, long as you're not depending on that guy, I mean... But I would love to have Aaron Baines. I think Aaron Baines would be an upgrade defensively to have out there. You just don't know what Al Horford and Rob Williams. You you need some um, security just in case those guys need time, you know, to to stay healthy. So, which we all know Rob Williams and Al Horford are guys that, you know, especially Al Horford's up in age and then Rob wins with his injury concerns at times. You're going to need to kind of low-manage those guys throughout the season. So I think Aaron Baines could be a, a guy to definitely lean on. And Luke Carnett as well. I think I mean, Luke Carnett should get a lot of minutes this year as like a low-management big. And and I, I just think they could use another big regardless if they have Luke Carnett. They're going to need another big to kind of be a low-management type of player for Rob Williams and Al Horford so they can be healthy going into the playoffs. And then obviously ride them hard during the playoffs. But, I mean, those load management bigs would be huge. And I think Aaron Baines could definitely fit that mode. And I would definitely, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the results are with the workout and whether the Celtics will be still interested after the workout. All right, before we get into the offseason winners and losers, let's take a look at my, um, you know, as the Assembly has started on Thursday, I've watched a few games, and so far my early thoughts on some players that have definitely stood out. 
I was able to catch Ben Carroll's first game, Paulo Ben Carroll's first game for the Magic, and he looked like he's gonna be a guy that can contribute and really make a huge impact day one. I think he might be a early rookie of the year candidate. I just think with his size, 6'10", 250 pounds, he looked like he was just, just a, he just looked like men amongst boys out there. And really outplayed Jabari Smith, which, you know, a lot of people projected Jabari Smith to be the first round pick or to be the projected first round pick. I thought the Magic did a great, made a great, they did like a Jason Tatum type move where, you know, Jason Tatum wasn't projected to be number one pick. It was Markel Fultz, if you remember. It was Markel Fultz as the number one guy all year round. And Jason Tatum was in the pretty much under the radar type of guy. I think Ben Carroll is going to pretty much be that type of pick. He's going to be, he's going to be what people, people were sleeping on him. Like they were sleeping on Jason Tatum that year. I think Ben Carroll is going to be, and pretty much might end up being the best player in that draft when it when it comes down to it. I think. But then you look at other guys like Jaden Ivory outside of the top, you know, outside of the top three, which I think he had a very good debut as well for the Pistons. Um, showed his app, showcased his athleticism, showcased he was the most athletic player in the draft. I mean, these this is this is who I mentioned. Um, what I thought. If you look at my um, my draft, you know, thoughts at my after draft thoughts. I mean, I mentioned that I was I mentioned or before the draft slots, I mentioned that Jaden Ivory was going to be an impact player, and so far, you've seen that already twenty point game already in his first game. Ben Carroll had seventeen in his first game. Jabari Smith kind of struggled a little bit to kind of, you know, kind of like. How do I say it? Like the impact of him, it wasn't what people thought. I guess people thought he was going to be a star player, but I didn't think that. I have him like even being a somewhat of a guy that could be a role player. That could he may not be a guy that can really right away make an impact. I think it's going to take Jabari Smith a little bit more time to kind of. I mean, he still has the potential to be a star player, but I just don't think he might be end up being that guy. I think he might. I'm not saying he might be a bust, but I, I don't think he would be a star caliber player. I don't really think he's fit with like, his mentality to be a star caliber player. If they do get that out of him, um, uh, Houston, they do get that out of him, great. I think Jalen Green, uh, Green is going to be more of a star caliber player than he will be. But I think that will be the best thing for George Smith. He doesn't have to be he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him to be the guy, which that can help him out as well. He could easily be a great secondary option for, for Jalen Green in Houston. So it's a it's a very good fit for him. It's I'm kinda glad that the Magic didn't pick him because it would have been probably where it would have been a disaster and he might have been a bust. Because I just don't think he has the mentality of a number one guy. I think Ben Carroll has more of a mentality than the number one guy. It felt like Ben Carroll showed a lot of leadership skills out there, was able to bring the ball to the floor, um, find teammates, open teammates. I mean, I was impressed overall by Ben Carroll, but I really wasn't surprised either because I just thought 
at Duke, he showed flashes of that at Duke. I just thought, you know, Duke had so many players and so many mouths to feed that he couldn't really showcase all his skills. And now at this at this level, even even at the same thing where, I mean, you got all these other guys trying to, you know, showcase their skills and showcase themselves to see if they can get a uh, NBA roster spot. It's tough for Ben Carroll to get himself like where he can get make a huge huge impact out there. But I think you'll definitely see it once he gets onto the NBA roster. I believe the Magic going to start him because he just. He just looks like probably day one going to be one of their better players. Cause just, he just has a high-level skill, and he has great NBA size already already day one. He's definitely going to be a huge player out there. I just see it. It's just it's just something I as like I have like an eye, a, a keen eye for talent, and just I kind of can see it early on with him. And I just definitely see that Ben Carroll is going to be one of the better players in this draft. Uh, we're gonna look at that. Look at this couple years from now. We're gonna say Ben Carroll. Um, I don't know why he was so under the radar. Just like they they treated Jason Tatum that year, as he might end up being the best player in the draft. And then also Chet Holmgren. We gotta mention him as well. He's been very good in his first two games. Obviously, size is obviously big, be a concern, but I think the skill level with with Holmgren really showed well. He even. You know, showed well against bigger bodies out there. Was able to really, you know, step out and hit the three. Was able to block a lot of shots on on the defensive end of the floor. So he definitely has got a high level skill level and a high level basketball IQ. And I think that's a reason why Holmgren will get a little time early on. But I still think the Thunder will be smart to kind of be slow with him because of his size. Don't want to don't want him to get hurt. Want him to kind of slowly ease him into there but i still think you know dunder have so, dunder's such a young team they're so, such in a rebuilding stage right now that homeroom will play quite a few minutes out there even if they have to play him at point guard or something just because of his size i just think he's just really frail guy to just worry about him i mean he had like a almost like an ankle injury i mean he had ankle injury but i think he was able to still play through it but just even that, just just worried about him getting pushed around out there. That's probably the biggest issue I would have. But I, I mean, as far as like him playing and, and able to make an impact out there, he definitely can do that right away. I think he's very, very, very skilled player. All right, so we're gonna conclude the episode, but let's mention my off-season winners and off-season losers real quick while we. Um, pretty much wrap up this episode. I wanted to be quick thoughts, but it was just a lot to talk about. So I kind of rambled a little bit. Before offseason winners go, I would have to say the biggest winner, I would say the Celtics. I'm not I'm not trying to be a homer or anything, but like they were able to add two guys to their rotation to already pretty good rotation that made it to the NBA Finals, able to build on some depth with adding Malcolm Brogdon and, and Danilo Gallinari and then J.D. Davidson. I think J.D. Davidson will end up getting a roster spot. Um, I'm pretty high on him because of his athleticism, and I just think I'm going to be intrigued to watch him today 
If anyone, yeah, if any Celtic fans out there watch him, he will be playing at 5.30 against the Miami Heat. Also get to watch Sam Hauser. Also get to watch Trabion Williams, what they will be able to do. Um, I think the Celtics got a, a locked-in stash player that's playing as well, Bergerian. Uh, Johan Bergerian, the French guy. So, so, and a couple other pieces. Jordan Bone is another guy. Grant Williams is a uh, former college teammate. So, they got some pieces that could compete for the NBA roster spot. So, yeah, but the Celtics, I think they definitely are season winners. They definitely help themselves out a lot. And I'm not saying that because I'm a home, you know, I'm a Celtic fan or being a homer or anything. I just really truly believe that. And a lot of other NBA um, talking heads believe that as well. Uh, Timberwolves. Timberwolves definitely offseason winner. People are intrigued to see how Rudy Gobert is going to fit in with Carnthy Towns. As they're pretty much going to have a big to big lineup. But, I mean, obviously with the Celtics, not to mention them again, but, you know, they have somewhat of a big lineup with Al Horford and Rob Williams. So it's not like a, a thing that couldn't work. Um, Towns is more of an offensive player, not much of a defensive player, where Gobert kind of compliments him and. You know, Gobert's the other way around. He's more of a defensive player, and Gobert's not much of an offensive player. I mean, he still can play, you know, well as a as a rim runner and stuff like that. And, but that's far as it, it. I mean, far as it goes with him, he's not a guy that's going to step out and shoot threes or anything. Where Towns is more equipped to do that. So whatever Towns ha- doesn't have, I think Gobert compliments him in having. So that's probably why it, it could potentially fit for the Wolves. And then you have other guys that are very good perimeter defenders that can kind of help, you know, Towns out on that on that end of the floor. And they can really put out a lot of big bodies out there. Anthony Bennett's a big body as well. So, so imagine that front court of Anthony Bennett, Gobert, Towns. That's a huge front court. I mean, Anthony Bennett's like 6'7", 230 pounds. And then you have Gobert that's... 250 pounds and you have Towns is well over 250 pounds I mean it's a huge front line and they should really win the rebounding battles every game they should automatically be a team that you have to worry about on the glass every every time you play the Timberwolves they have a lot of other versatile guys as well that, that can come off their bench to really you know spell them so interesting interesting uh, trade for the Timberwolves. I think it could help them, but they're going for it. They're going for the playoff team last year, and they're they're, go, they're trying to go for it. And I don't knock them for doing that. And I think I, I'm thinking I'm gonna give them an opportunity of being an offseason winner because of that, because they just went for it with that trade. Another sleeper offseason winner is the Sixers, to, and able to convince James Harden to to able to uh, turn down his player option and was able to get him to sign a new deal and then to add pj tucker steal him from the heat and then add daniel house from the utah jazz i mean that is that is huge those are two guys that had success with james harden when the rockets made it to the eastern conference finals a couple years ago so i I think that was a very good um very good move by uh more maury 
to to add those former Houston Rockets where he was the GM in Houston, able to pretty much bring that Houston trio back. I mean, I just think more uh, Daryl Morney is really just trying to bring, bring back what was successful in Houston. And then you add Joel Embiid to that mix. I think it's very interesting what he's trying to do out in Philly. I mean, but it, it worked. It worked. It was a good mix. It was good chemistry mix in Houston. Why not just do it there in Philly? So I really think that was a pretty underrated, you know, moves that he well, Maury was able to do. And I really think the Sixers are going to be right there as contenders with those moves. And then you have Tyrese Maxey. You have Ty- Don't forget about Tyrese Maxey. He's only going to get better and better. He's still a young player and still had a very good you know season last year. He's going to build on to what he had last year, last year. So look out for the Sixers as being right there, maybe with the Celtics, as like maybe the two top teams in the East. Miami, like I said, hasn't really got better. So I think the Sixers might have leapfrogged the Heat. And Oh, yeah, don't forget about the Bucs. The Bucs are right there with, the, with Giannis. But I would have to say, yeah, I would say Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers. They definitely fraud the Heat, adding P.G. Tucker. Another winner, I would say, is the Clippers, adding John Wall. They added John Wall. They resigned all their free agents. Kawhi Leonard expected to come back from injury. So you got Paul George, got Kawhi Leonard, John Wall, along with all the other pieces. They re-signed Luke Kennard. So... I don't think Luke Kennard was a free agent. No, I don't think he was. But I, I heard that he was on the trade block. I heard that he was on the trade block. But they they have Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris and all these other great players. Reggie Jackson had a good season last year. So Clippers, yeah, their death is definitely there. And don't sleep on the Clippers. Don't sleep on Tyron Lue. I think Tyron Lue is bringing back a very good squad. So they're going to be right there up there as a contender. Because, you know, Kawhi Leonard is obviously one of the better players in the league. And you bring him back along with Paul George, and then you have John Wall. I think that's a very good mix that they can potentially scare some teams in, in out west. And then an, probably the last winner, I would say, is the Hawks. Which getting Javante Murray to add with Trey Young in that backcourt is, is, is going to really be one of the better backcourts that you'll find pretty much in the NBA. And then and then they added Mo Harkless just a couple of days ago in a trade as they traded Kevin Herter, Herter to the Sacramento uh, Kings, and they got Mo Harkless. So, yeah, and they added a few other, other you know, minor moves as well to, to really bolster their depth. So Hawks is another team. Clippers are another team, Sixers and Timberwolves and Celtics. I would say those are the biggest winners, I could say. Biggest offseason losers. Pacers. I mean, you basically trade Brogdon for nothing. (laughs) A lot of those guys are just not really going to be really much of an impact at all for the Pacers, besides Daniel Tice. I know they kind of wanted to add, you know, pretty much wanted to allow Buddy Heald and, and Tyrese Halliburton all the space and opportunity out there. But, man, they gave up Brogdon for nothing. So, <laughs> I just thought the Pacers were definitely offseason losers. Miami Heat. I mean, they're trying their best to be uh, Kevin Durant, 
sweet state winners. So, but right now they haven't done anything. They haven't really improved their team at all. Um, I know they were good, but they lost some pieces. They lost PG Tucker to the Sixers, and they really haven't really done anything to replace them. So far, I looked at the their depth chart right now. They have Omar, Omar. Uh, I, I can't even uh, pronounce his name. He went. He played at Georgetown. I think he he's from Turkey. They have him as the starting power forward. I think that's not good if you have him as your starting power forward. And they really haven't really replaced PG Tucker yet. So as of right now, so far in the offseason, I think I have the Miami Heat as offseason losers. And also I would have the Bucks. Same thing. They really haven't really improved much. Besides getting Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is a minor move, and not really a huge, huge move. Can't really expect too much out of Ingles. He's definitely up in age. I think he's like 34 right now, so he's already a slow-footed guy on the defensive end. So he's not a guy that you really want to have out there, particularly on the defensive end. He definitely can get exposed out there. So, yeah, offensively, yeah, Ingles can definitely give you a lot offensively. He's a definitely a guy that can stretch the floor, shoot threes, shoot corner threes, but not a not a not a huge move for the Bucks. They didn't really do that much for a team that lost in the second second round. I think they would have you would thought they would do a little bit more, a little bit more. I think I get it. Chris Middleton losing him was obviously huge, and that's probably the reason why they thought maybe well. We, we we didn't have Chris Middleton. Maybe we would have went further if we did have Chris Middleton, which I believe that. I believe that that maybe the Celtics could have lost if the Bucks had Chris Middleton. But I still think the Bucks could have did a little bit more. They could have did a little bit more. Could have maybe got, got maybe someone they could have drafted or whatever. I think they had a second-round pick. I'm not 100% sure with their but as far as I know, I don't really think it was like a huge move. So, yeah, the Bucks definitely, so far, I would say they're losers. And then Suns, besides re-upping on Devin Booker's, besides really being a holding pattern for uh, DeAndre Eaton right now, because they're also in the Devin, Kevin Durant sweepstakes is Kevin Durant's projected landing spot. So far, they're a loser. Until we know where KD's going, so far... Um, the Suns are the losers right now. They haven't really done much, but you know, re up on Devin Booker. It's pretty much the same team that they had last year, and I think they lost a few pieces. So, yeah, I would say yeah, Suns looking like losers right now. So, all right, so we're gonna wrap this up on my latest edition of the Rims and S podcast. Um. It, I was going to make it quick editions, but we're probably going to make it episode 54. We did 53 about a week and a half ago. So now kind of having to do a little bit more um, because there's a lot of NBA news going on. So I had to like fit in another episode. Probably going to take a little bit of more time to really kind of build on the website. So if you haven't checked out the website, it's R-I-M-S-N-E-T-S.com. Check that out. Try to get, you know, get some more news and try to add a few articles while the summer rolls on. It's definitely been the slow, 
slow period. Once the summer league ends, it's going to be really slow as far as NBA and basketball news goes. But I think there's also another uh, EY, e, Nike EYBL tournament that happened maybe about a week ago, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll probably maybe have an update on that as well, which might be another article for that, which I think... I have an article that hasn't been as I'm literally been writing it, but I haven't. I wasn't able to um, put it on the website yet, but there will be definitely will be some articles coming up on the website. I just have to kind of do a little bit more research and kind of get into what's you know going on, and particularly on the high school basketball ranks and the um, college ranks as well see what's going on if there's any transfers and stuff we'll definitely update on the uh, on the transfers there's usually a lot of transfers that are going on during the summer with all the you know nil opportunities for a lot of these players and stuff so we'll get into those news probably in the next podcast probably in a few weeks i'll probably record in a few weeks so I hope everyone's joining this summer. Uh, you listen to the Rims Nut Podcast. Your host Rob Morris. I'm out. Peace.